Welcome to Lightning Between the Bookends. My name is Paul Kalea. I'm a faculty member in Health, Human Performance, and Recreation, which is housed in the College of Education and Health Professions at the University of Arkansas. This series is designed to highlight the people, places, and processes that are all part of HHPR. Today's multi-part series will highlight the graduate student experience. And I'm here with Nicole Doyle. Hi, good morning. And uh, this is part two uh, in our graduate student series, and this series is uh, will focus on the the mentoring uh, and the processes that are involved uh, between a uh, graduate student uh, and uh, their uh, doctoral advisor. So, Nicole, one of the things I wanted to start with today is um, this idea of mentoring and, and maybe sort of at, get at sort of what it means uh, to be mentored and, and, and then start with that process. And let me first say, I think mentoring happens um, a lot. Uh, and I like to call it ghost mentoring. I think sometimes we go through life and we don't quite understand that, that it's occurring uh, but it is. And I, I can tell you right now in my own life that uh, I had a lot of mentors along the way. And those mentors probably were teachers and coaches. And, of course, I'll include my parents in there. Uh, and, uh, and, and there was a, a, a lot of mentoring happen, happening behind the scenes. But I, but I think that as we get into uh, more um, specific areas in our life, uh, the mentoring becomes more apparent, mm-hmm. and it is um, more focused um, and more directed towards helping us move through that that whatever it is that we're working on uh, during that part of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on sort of just mentoring in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are those are really great points. And when I look back on my life and the mentors I've had, they didn't. They didn't always seem like mentors at the time, you know, when you're referencing ghost mentoring. Um, I know growing up there were certain teachers or coaches that I I had more of a rapport with or more of a relationship with and certainly felt, um, you know, that guiding factor along the way, even in retrospect, right? Like we've said, it may not have been that apparent um, while it was happening. But certainly with, uh, you know, jumping forward, mentoring, um, even during my master's program, you know, I found a faculty member that helped me with research, helped me design my master's thesis, helped me um, along that along that way, so to speak, helped advise me in picking my classes. Um, and, and I don't know that it was um, certainly it was important and it was valid. But what I'm saying is I don't think um, in the master's program, at least in my experience, mentorship was um, a requirement, so to speak. You know, I know that I just sought it out. Um, and then certainly, again, moving forward to, to mentorship at the, the doctoral level, um, it just looks a lot of different ways, right? So we have our, our advisor, and then we have mentors outside of that relationship as well. So um, I certainly see the benefit in having um, I'm sure there's a, an upper limit to how many mentors one needs to have, um, but I certainly see that benefit in having having those relationships. Yeah, I I I, I think when I think back to my own uh, graduate program, um, it, it probably started, and it maybe even started before that. It it probably started with the idea that I um, I was looking for my passion or future interests. 
And, you know, passion is a, is a strong word, but I think it, it, it applies to something that you want to do for the majority of your life. Um, and and I, th- I think I had to realize that I, I wasn't going to find the most perfect process or the most perfect mentor. Uh, but I think my topic or the things that I, I was interested in would drive that process. Mm-hmm. W- would you agree that that, that that sort of is maybe step one in, in working towards finding a mentor? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I know a lot of programs, I would say most if not all, you, you need to really co-sign and identify a faculty mentor um, as you're coming on board for your doctoral studies. And it, you know, again, I, it, this idea of finding the, the perfect topic or the perfect mentor, um, I mean, I think like you alluded to, we can throw that out the window because, I mean, you may not find that perfect alignment, but you're going to find an alignment that's going to support you not only in your studies, but really importantly in your research. And so finding finding someone that you can identify those common themes of interest in, um, and also knowing that your, um, I do just want to mention your advisor and your mentor, um, most often this is the same person. Oftentimes you can also find an additional mentor outside of that relationship. So I know a lot of times we use faculty advisor and mentor interchangeably, um, and they most certainly are. And then keeping in mind, you know, like I said, you can, you can find other mentors as well if you, if you feel the need. No, I think that's a great point, and it and it leads into the next part of this discussion. In that, you know, sometimes uh, students sort of don't understand where the process begins when you apply to a program. Um, are you thinking more in advance like that? Um, you know, what what are the things that have to happen in order to hone in on the person that is going to best. Um, uh, be identified as your mentor, and sometimes in a master's program for a couple years, and, and in a doctoral program for four years and beyond. So it it, it really takes some fine tuning to sort of to sort of identify that person. Um, you know, there's uh, there's definitely a, um, a a step-by-step process that has to occur, and I think sometimes it it can be multifaceted because. Um, you you really have to get, to gather information from multiple sources in order f- in order for you to identify this person. So, can, Nicole, can you mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about the process that you use mm-hmm. um, as you begin to work your way through? Um, and I and I consider it a uh, a problem like any any science problem, mm-hmm. right? You break it down into parts, and then and then hopefully those parts come together. But mm-hmm. uh, what process did you use? Yeah, no, that's that's interesting the way you frame that because I think applying to grad school is for me it was the easy part. You know, you fill out the application, you edit your resume or your CV. Um, your letter of interest, et cetera, transcripts. So to me, that was easy. That was, you know, that box is checked. Now I've got to find a mentor. So for me, um, I was able to uh, email the program coordinator for public health at the time. Um, And then this person uh, was really instrumental in meeting with me and then also um, mentioning several other faculty members within the department that, um, you know, hey, have you heard of this person, this is what they're researching, and so really helped me navigate those waters. And then even took it a step further and um, what we'll call virtually introduced me to those faculty members. So sent an email, 
Um, we were all copied on it to several different faculty members. And then I was able to schedule meetings with those faculty members to just discuss research, you know, and their backgrounds. So, um, you know, I think in, in that process, um, I was able to identify um, my, my mentor and my advisor that I have currently. You know, but I think it can look a few different ways. Um, I know we've got this great resource called the Internet, and we can... Um, I like to refer to it as the Google. Yeah, the Google, right, um, the Google machine. So we can go in there, and um, you can find out a lot about faculty members on the um, on the, the University of Arkansas website. So that's really great. Um, also not being afraid to make a few cold calls, you know, um, that can be a little intimidating, I think, but, uh, certainly not a bad way to go. Um, most often email addresses are listed as well. And so again, and that's what I did. I had sent out that email. Um, and, and most faculty are more than willing, uh, most, if not all faculty are more than willing to, to help point in the right direction, discuss research, um, and I think there's there's a layer with, you know, when you're applying to grad school, um, you know, being a self-starter and advocating for yourself and knowing, okay, what are my interests? What do I see my future track being? And or what could I align that with? If it's not the perfect fit or the perfect track, you're still going to learn a lot about research in the process along the way. So Sure. And, and um, I might step back just a second mm-hmm. here and, and say that you know, when when a student is working their way through this process and identifying this mentor on the front end, there's an important reason why this happens. And the, the reason behind it is, is that uh, four years is a very short time to take somebody and uh, train them uh, in the, the, uh, the skills of being an academic. And if a student, a doctoral student, uh, comes into a program and has, has not identified sort of their passion, their interests, and then also the mentor, um, uh, they can they can flounder. Mm-hmm. And it can be a very uncomfortable experience. And I think that's why the mentor is very integral in this in this um, in this process. They're they're an important link uh, because that training starts from day one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that training is a very uh, scaffolded um, process. And so uh, the mentor is is uh, an important piece of the puzzle. You know, you uh, you also said uh, something about identifying multiple faculty members, and I think this is important too because um, it, it your your research focus is your research focus, and but it but it doesn't mean that you can't work with a faculty member that 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 looks at a piece of that, and uh, that that doesn't dismiss them from being a mentor. Um, it can expand your research focus. It can make you um, uh, sort of more marketable uh, if you have those those uh, those skills that sort of cross over. Um, and so that's that's an important uh, piece of the puzzle too. Is that uh, meeting with multiple faculty? Uh, it would be no different than if you went out to buy a car and the first car that you drove you uh, you bought. <laughs> um, it probably wouldn't be uh, the best choice simply because. If you drove 15 cars, you really would hone in on specifically mm-hmm. what you wanted, you know, in the car. And so I think the same thing uh, applies with choosing a, a faculty mentor. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, you know, the the choice is sort of on the front end, and and then what happens is where you know the 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 rubber meets the road is when you get accepted to the program, in that then you become a, a, a doctoral student in a program. Uh, and then the process sort of changes, right? And now this is your mentor and they, you have to do a number of things in order to make sure that this relationship um, is, is uh, very clear on the front end mm-hmm. and that uh, what are the steps that need, to ta- that need to happen to make sure that this uh, relationship continues to grow during the time of being a doctoral student. So, so what are some of those things maybe that, that you initially sat down with your mentor and you talked about um, to make sure that that relationship um, continued to blossom um, over your, uh, during, throughout your time as a doctoral student? Yeah, and I think that's, um, again, you said it, very important to, to have those conversations on the front end. Um, I know for me, even just um, communication, you know, any expectations on communication, whether that's, you know, are we going to meet once a week, biweekly? Do we have a standing meeting? Um, how, like, what are those checks and balances? How do we check in with each other? Um, you know, things of that nature, right? So is it, you know, do you have an open door policy? Can I just pop by whenever? Do, you know, again, setting up those parameters for how you're going to communicate and what those expectations are. Um, and then also looking at, uh, I'm very, I like a guideline, I like a framework. Again, I don't like to feel that I'm floundering. Um, so talking about, you know, the research trajectory, like uh, we, t- we have kind of a, what I've coined a, a state of the semester, right? And we'll, we'll talk about, okay, um, here's what we have in the works currently with research. Here's what's coming down the pipeline. And then here's what we're writing up. Here's what we're working on disseminating. So essentially having two or three things going at the same time um, and knowing some timelines around that. Um, and, I, you know, again, I did mention the the process for communication. I, I want to touch on that again because I think there's a layer of intimidation. Um, there can be from the doctoral student to the mentor, the advisor, um, and rightfully so, right? They're there. They're taking their time to teach you, spend time with you, et cetera. So having that layer of respect and in saying, you know, I am available, um, I am open to do work, What? how can I help you produce research um, effectively and efficiently, right? So essentially having that communication style, um, hopefully it's a two-way street. It may f- not feel that way at certain points, but again, hopefully that those parameters are, um, you know, with communication that that's discussed. Um, and also feeling like you can have those conversations, right? And and again, talking about, I mean, I know I've said expectations already, but talking about expectations, you know, um, and how, again, that trajectory for the year is going to go. So um, just being able to being able to be upfront and have those conversations, I think, is key. Yeah, I think there's there's an important um, sort of dynamic that is happening over a four year period, and and I think it's uh, I like to refer to it as, as sort of a, a scaffolded independence, right? In that you initially come to your mentor and you rely heavily on them. You rely heavily on their research, the data they collect. Um, their knowledge of writing, their their uh, sort of knowledge of the community that's involved in their research, and then over time, what happens is is that um, 
the um, faculty member has to gradually release the student. And that may look like um, uh, writing your own paper based on their research, uh, being a first author, uh, presenting at a conference. Uh, but, but it's an important dynamic that I think needs discussion on the front end because uh, at some point you are going to graduate and you are going to be a faculty member somewhere else or work in industry. And uh, you have to, at that point, understand all of these pieces and, and then how they work together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's what I, I spoke about on the front end is that, you know, the, the importance of this mentor-student relationship um, is, is I, I'm not sure that I'm even, do, even doing it justice mm-hmm. simply because the, when, when you talk about developing an independent researcher, an independent faculty member, an independent person that can go into industry, um, all these things, all the stars sort of have to align along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just want to mention, I, I think, um, you know, in the beginning of that relationship, right, there's a lot going on. You're not just doing research. You're taking classes. If you're a GA, you have teaching or some sort of grading responsibilities. So, um, you know, it's like this plunge, right, into Doctoral 101. And so that mentor is essentially there to guide you and help you and, um, you know, oftentimes share their experience with their mentor, you know. And, and so there's that feeling of you're not alone. You've got some help, and you have a guide. Uh, we'll call it a doctoral Sherpa, so to speak. Oh, sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, um, you know, within our department, uh, and you were on this committee, we're developing uh, an evaluation process for for doctoral students. And um, the interesting part of this is that it is student driven, and so we put a lot of weight on the student shoulders and say, "How do you think you're doing?" How do you think this process is going for you? Um, do you feel like you can step into the next realm of being a doctoral student? And so um, I think that's important that a, uh, a student can respond in an, in an evaluation sense uh, and, and sort of, uh, um, you know, tell their mentor, okay, here's where I'm feeling comfortable and here's where I still need uh, – here's an area that I need to still work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nicole, I uh, appreciate you being with being with me today and talking about the uh, the mentoring process, which is is uh, probably if I had to you know rank it out, I would say it's right there uh, as the number one thing that happens as a doctoral student. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I look forward to the next time we talk and and continue this series. Yeah, thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Special thanks to Joe Hamilton of the Boss Tweeds for providing the music for this podcast. This is She Creature from the album Hot Rods to Hell.